Hallelujah. Praise God forever. Well, praise the Lord. Let's turn our Bibles tonight to 1 Timothy 6, 12. We're going to continue along the lines we started last week about now what? Once we initiate the fight to receive that which is ours. We're not trying to get God to do anything. God has already done everything. See, the Christian walk is not the great obtaining. It is the great receiving. And so, Jesus came to bless us, and we know that he accomplished that feat. He came to establish us as sons and daughters. We know that he accomplished that feat. He come to destroy the works of the devil. We know he accomplished that feat. So we're going to talk about when you and I start the fight, when you and I start a faith journey, when we decide to use our faith, understand that the adversary will respond to our faith's action. He's not about trying to really get people to not use their faith for the simple fact that he knows that unless they make a willful decision, they won't use it. And it's important that we as Christians walk by faith. Amen? All righty. 1 Timothy 6, 12 says this. Fight the good fight of faith. Lay hold of eternal life, whereunto thou art also called and hast professed a good profession before many witnesses. Fight the good fight of faith. Now, we know that this is the Word of God. Amen? And God has given us every benefit. There's not a question. Every promise is yea and amen. There are probably more than one thing that stops us from receiving. Familiarity produces not just uh, things that we would be uh, standoffish about, but it produces weariness. And sometimes when the devil gets done beating us up so many times, we just don't initiate the life of faith. We begin to realize or think in our mind that it's easier for us to do it ourselves than it is to believe God. But know this, doing it yourself doesn't please God. Faith pleases God. Could again, amen. We also know that when we sow a seed, every promise, every promise, somebody say every promise, reveals the beginning and shows you the coming end. We sow a seed, the seed will be multiplied. Now, we are great sowers, but many of us are not very good harvesters. 
because there is this fight. This fight of faith has to do with you fighting the battle that is in your mind. The battle that is in your mind rages in order to gain superiority over your mouth. That means that you can become double-minded. When you become double-minded, you advertise what you believe, nothing. So we're going to talk about what we would do. The first thing we want to that we started talking about last week was don't look at outside evidence. Don't look at things that are going on around you. Don't look at time. Do not allow what you are seeing to determine what faith can do. See, we live in a world that is constantly telling us that miracles don't happen, constantly telling us that God does not do these things, that the day of miracles are past, that this Bible is a great historical book, it's a great moral book, but it's really not God, and nothing happens when you put faith with it. But I'm here to tell you that your evidence, the world that is around you, that defies the existence of God, should not ever determine what faith can do. Amen? And then only the Bible, only this book, the book of life, the book that unveils the condition of man, unveils God, his sacrifice or his work towards man, and the end result of that work, not only salvation, but producing grace to live a holy life that we may obtain eternal life. Only the Bible, only the book of life tells us that. And only the Bible can define and show what faith can do through a righteous man. Only the Bible. See, we sometimes get overwhelmed with the negativity of the world that we live in. Therefore, we expect nothing. Therefore, we become self-providers, self-doers. But please, let me encourage you. I don't care how old you are. I don't care what you've been through. I don't care how rich you are. None of those things impress God. What impresses God is faith in God. Because the faith life requires that you believe that God is. See, when people don't believe that God is, then faith is never incorporated. Now, I've said that, and hopefully it rang a bell in our hearts and our minds. If you are not using faith in every area of your life, what has happened is you have stopped believing that God exists in those areas. 
It's just like if we don't sow a seed in the time of need, what we believe is that God is not a provider. And so it's important that you and I let the Bible define what faith can do. And it does some wild stuff. Let's go to Hebrews 11, 23. And of course, we've, all of us have read through this. But it does define what man can do by faith in God. Not starting faith, but keeping faith. And then it says in verse 23, By faith Moses, when he was born, was hid three months of his parents because they saw that he was a proper child and, there was, and they were afraid of the king's commandment. And by faith Moses, when he was come two years, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, choosing rather to suffer the affliction with the people of God than to enjoy the pleasures of sin for a season, esteeming the reproach of Christ greater riches than the treasure in Egypt, he had respect unto the recompense of the reward. By faith, he forsook Egypt, fearing the wrath, not fearing the wrath of the king, for he endured as seeing him who is invisible. Now, there we have a great secret. Faith enables you to see the existence of something that this world is totally unaware of. Do you know that every promise has a vision or has an insight in it? Like the Bible says, God will meet all your needs according to his riches and glory. Well, we then just allow that scripture to dwell in us and we meditate it, we think about it, we go over it in our mind and pretty soon that picture is revealed. Now, I will, let me kind of, um, how many of you have ever put a swing set together? Don't ever do that. Just hire somebody. But here's what happened. We get these instructions. And the first thing that we don't do is read them. That's childish. We know how to do it. All you got to do is put the bolts in the holes. Well, there's more to a swing set than that. So... What you do is you get it together, it's like this, you know, two legs are down here, and you know, you got bars hanging where bars not supposed to be, and then you say, give me those instructions. The first thing you do is look at the pictures. Why? Because they are going to speak to you. Good again, amen. amen. Okay, then... After they don't speak to you as quick as you like, you may start reading. Or in other words, I bring Phyllis in because I'm a speed reader. Take nut one, go to nut 12, 
That's how I read instructions. But Phyllis is every word. Wait, 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 honey. Let me get this right. You think, cheesy, good night. You're ready to hire anybody to put that swing set together. But she is meticulous. And so she's reading the instructions, and all of a sudden, I hear that instruction being read, I hear the doors of my understanding open up, and I see how it's supposed to go because I have spent time by force in having to read the instructions. And every promise of God has a picture of what God is going to do. You remember the uh, uh, Israelites when they came back out of Canaan? One said, oh man, the giants are big and you know, the cities are all walled up and all that. They started giving excuses why faith in God would not work. But Joshua and Caleb, they didn't deny anything because faith never denies anything. If it denies something, then you don't have to use it. So don't say no, I don't have any problems, when you are sinking in them. Say, you know, do I have problems? Well, this is what I believe. You don't have to give a list of your problems, but tell people what you believe. There is no denial. You don't get saved by saying, I'm, I'm not a sinner, I'm not a sinner, I'm not a sinner, I'm not a sinner. That's not how you get saved. You get saved by acknowledging that you believe that Jesus is Lord of your life. That's the acknowledgement. That is the act of faith. And so, but Joshua and Caleb said, look, we are well able to go up. Yes, the people are strong. They're of, high, of big stature. Yes, they've got great walled cities. But God is with us. That's the faith declaration. But God. Yes, there are problems. Yes, we're fighting a fight. Yes, we may be struggling. But God is with us. He goes before us, Deuteronomy 1.30. He is our rear reward. We know that God is with us. Amen. Amen? God is with us. A thousand can fall to one side, 10,000 to another side, but God is with us. Therefore, it will not come nigh us. And so, in the promises of God, and going into Canaan was a promise from God to the people of Israel that said, I brought you out to take you in. So that was the promise. And they begin to see that if God was for them, that their enemies were bred for them. And so every promise has a picture that accompanies what God is going to do. If you can see God doing it, 
then you know that you have been ignited with faith. And so we don't want to let the Bible teach us. I mean, anything but the Bible teach us about faith. And let's uh, jump down to verse 30. And it says, By faith the walls of Jericho fell down after they were compassed about seven days. Anybody remember that story? They walked around it seven days, didn't say anything. That was a miracle. There wasn't any murmuring, complaining, said, oh my gosh, we've got to go home tonight after walking all this dust. No, they didn't do any of that. They just walked with an encouraged heart and a stilled mouth. Sometimes it's better for you not to say anything than to open up your mouth and give the devil a door to come through. Oh, I never do that. Yeah, well, ask your wife. You know, you, well, well, my wife and had a squabble. Nobody has a squabble getting that enraged. She became possessed. Be quiet. Just take instruction. And you know that after the fight, she's still going to wait to give you instruction. So just take it and get over it. All right. Now, and it says by faith, the walls of Jericho fell. By faith, the harlot Rahab perished not with them that believed not when she had received the spies with peace. And what shall I more say? For the time would fail me to tell you of Gideon and of Balak and of Samson and of Jephunneh and of David, also, all, also and Samuel and of the prophets who through faith subdued kingdoms. Kingdoms. Kingdoms that were ruled by men that were like prophets by, as, that were like puppets in the hands of the devil. That's the kingdoms they subdued. And it says, who through faith subdued the kingdoms, wrought righteousness, lived right, obtained promises, stopped the mouths of lions, quenched the violence of fire, escaped the edge of the sword, went out of weakness where were made strong, waxed valiant in fight, turned to fight the armies of the aliens. Women received their dead, raised to life again, and others were tortured and not accepting deliverance that they might obtain a better resurrection. Others had a trial of cruel mockings, scourgings, yea, moreover, bonds and imprisonment. They were stoned and they were sawn asunder. They were tempted. They were slain with the sword. They wandered about in sheepskins and goatskins, being destitute and afflicted and tormented, of whom the world was not worthy, that they wandered in deserts and in mountains and in dens and caves in the earth. These all, having obtained a good report through faith, received not the promise. That's the promise of eternal life. That was the promise of seeing Christ, our Savior, God having provided something better for us that they without us should not be made perfect. Now, all of that was done by faith. Can you imagine Noah 
building an ark in a land that it had never reigned in, people scoffing at him and laughing, his family. Yet he kept building. He had faith. He saw what God was saying. And you and I as Christians need to see what God is saying to us. Amen? 2 Corinthians 5, 6 through 10 tells us we do not walk by sight. In other words, we're not looking for evidence to verify what God is doing. What God is doing. We don't have to have evidence. We don't have to be encouraged. We don't have to be this or that. You know, once God called me, I didn't need for him to tell me ever again. I didn't figure he changed his mind. So we don't need evidence that what God is doing, what we need is a promise to mix our faith with. And once God reveals the promise, it will be fulfilled. The Bible says in Romans, the third chapter, three and four, let every man be a liar, but let God be true. Shall people's unbelief make the faith of God void? No, never. Don't believe anything other than what God has said about you. Amen? Amen. All right. The second thing that we as Christians need to do when we start a fight, when we do something, make a faith connection, put faith in God, the next thing, first thing is do not depend on any type of outward evidence to help you stand fast because it's not coming. This right here is enough to guarantee that it's coming. Amen? Absolutely. The second thing is you need to change the way you talk. The way you talk. Remember, what you talk is what you get. A man is satisfied with the fruit of his lips. So let's just say that you're broke. Let's just say you barely get by every month. And I know that life is a struggle. I've been there. I remember when I made $1.65 an hour. Phyllis was pregnant. I was living in Columbus. And we made $1.65 an hour, and she didn't work. Well, it was tough, but we never missed our tithe and we never missed sowing. That was the key to our perseverance. Anyway, that we are to change what we talk. Let's go to Romans 4, 17. And I know that many of us have read it, but I read Genesis one time and Every time I open the Bible to the front, it's still there. God hasn't changed his mind. 
Romans 4. Let's look at verse 16. Therefore, it is of faith that it might be by grace to the end that the promise might be sure to all the seed, not to that only which is of the law or Israel, but also that which is also of the faith of Abraham, who is the father of us all. As it is written, God saying this, I have made thee a father of many nations. Notice the words, I have made thee. How did God make Abraham the father of many nations? He gave him a promise. And when Abraham received that promise, he stepped into what God had made him. See, God has made you a person whose needs are always met. Well, how, how did he do that? My God will meet all your needs according to his riches and glory. But I haven't seen it. That is where faith comes in. You have to receive what God said about you no matter the conditions that you are in. When God speaks to Moses in Genesis 17 and says, hey, you and Sarah are going to have a baby, Moses is 100 years old. Now, even back then, that's kind of weird. A 100-year-old man having a baby with 90-year-old woman? It's never been heard of. Doesn't mean it's impossible. It's just never been heard of. The Bible says that Abraham believed God that he would raise up a seed out of his loins and out of the deadness of Sarah's womb. And lo and behold, it happened. It happened. A hundred-year-old man. But here's what the Bible says. And it says, I made thee a father of many nations before him whom he believed, even God, who quickeneth the dead and calleth those things which be not as though they were. How did God do that? Through a promise. He said, Abraham, I'm going to bless you and your seed is going to be like the sands of the sea. Well, God, I, I, I don't even have one son. Sarah's time is past. She can't bear any children. And God just really, to be honest with you, I get done herding these goats every night. I tell you what, about 9 o'clock, I'm ready to lay down and go to sleep. Now... God says this, but I made you. When did he make him? When he gave the promise. So when God says something about you, like he meets all of your needs according to his riches and glory, what you have to do is realize he's already made you without lack. He's made you. 
someone that has enough. Could have get an amen. So you're not broke. You're not under the gun. You're not short. What you are is someone that God has provided for in every area. Why? Because the promise says so. And so, it says that God speaks things that are not as though they were. That's what faith does. Faith hears what God has already done. Then faith comes out of the human's mouth by choice, and they change their words to agree with the promise with the promise amen and so abraham changed his name from abram to abraham i am the father of many nations well you don't have any kids i am the father of many nations oh you're just old you've drank some sour goat milk you've lost your mind I am the father of many nations. Now think of this. God said this time next year. So it's not just nine months. Abraham has to go clear through maybe six months, five months, whatever it might be, until Sarah starts showing that she has conceived. Now, I don't know if Abraham knew very much about children or pregnant women at all. He'd never had a child except by Hagar. But he never had a child by Sarah. So I don't know if, uh, you know, he thought maybe she just got some bad goat's milk and swelled up. I don't know. I, 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 I really don't know what he thought and I'm sure that thoughts bombarded his mind and said, Abraham, this cannot be. What well, was she missed her period? No, she had already stopped her menstrual cycle. So the time of her conceiving was done, past. But here she is looking like she's pregnant defying every rational thought. All these thoughts are coming, and what does Abraham do? He lifts his hands and gives God the glory. In other words, God, thank you that what you said will come to pass. If you spoke it, you'll make it good. You would never lie. You're not a man. God, you spoke it, you will not repent of it. I believe that I am the father of many nations. And Abraham fought that off because praise is also a proclamation of our faith in God. So you put it in your mouth. You say what God said about you. Well, I don't know how to talk like that. God taught Abraham in Genesis 17, and the Bible says in 1 Corinthians 2, 13 on down,
chapter 16 that the Holy Ghost will teach you how to speak beyond your capacity as a human being. And the Holy Ghost will teach you how to mix faith with a promise. Give him time. Let him teach you. Let him show you. Let him put a word in your mouth for your season. Hallelujah. Praise God. The Bible says in Job 22 that I will decree the decree that the Lord said of me. Did God say he'd meet all your need? Then decree it. Declare it. Speak it to the north, the south, the east, and the west. Phyllis told me today, she said, honey, I got some good news. I thought, you're going on vacation. What? No. That was a joke. A flat one, evidently. But she said, some pastor drives by our church every day. They've noticed that over the years that we have never had a scandal. We've always stood. We've always preached the gospel. We've never backed up, and we've never given up. And he stopped in, him and his wife, to drop off a check, one to you and one to me. Not to the church, but to you and to me. And, of course, I got the bigger one. They were the same. And so, that's just how God does it when you declare that, you know what, all my needs are met. Not by what I'm doing, but by his glory in heaven through Jesus Christ. And so, we speak those things. We change the way that our mouth is used. The Bible declares in Proverbs that there is understanding that will come to our mouth and wisdom that will come out of the Word of God. Now, the understanding is this, that every promise is yours. It requires faith to take that which God has declared about you and the faith must come from you. And then the wisdom is, is that you allow the Holy Ghost to teach you how to speak like God speaks or how God uses his faith. Jesus said, you use your faith also in Mark eleven twenty three. And so we want to allow God to speak to us, teach us, and to help us. Let's change the way that we talk. You know, instead of saying something in our house, well, we don't have no money, we're broke. We just don't use that type of talk. Well, what, what, what if you're short? Then we say, well, it's just not a priority right now. doesn't mean that God's not going to come through, but right now our priority is other things. 
like food. But I would never say, well, I'm broke, because that would be saying, God, you have lied to me. I would never call God a liar. If anybody's a liar, let God be true and every man a liar. Just because I don't understand, just because I lack wisdom, just because I make mistakes doesn't mean that God has withdrawn, backed up, or stopped watching over his word. It means that I'm learning. And I may fall seven times, and I'm going to get right back up. And I'm going to try it again and again and again. I don't know how many times I believed God to fill my gas tank when I was a young Christian. And how many times I had to get a ride because gas didn't just come into my car tank. So I told the Lord one time, say, you know, God, I'm out here believing you. He said, you know what? Once you stick your hand in your pocket. So I stuck my hand in my pocket, and sure enough, there was some money in there. He said, I already provided for your gas tank before you ever let it hit empty. And I'm sure somebody in the back was saying, tell him, and he acted stupid. But I don't think God listened to them. But I could hear it echoing in the back. Anyway, God told me, I provided for you before you ever had the need. Now, I told you I would meet all your needs, but I will not respond to your temptations to do it your way. I even thought about filling my gas tank up with water. Thank God I didn't. Hallelujah. So before you try to tempt God or put God in a situation that he's already provided for you, acknowledge what God has done. Look around. There's a jawbone of a donkey someplace. Put your hand to it. Amen? Hallelujah. Praise God. Stand to your feet and let's pray. Hallelujah. You know Thanksgiving is coming. Hallelujah. The turkeys are shaking and the broth is starting to boil. I am, I, I love holidays. I love Thanksgiving, except I'm the guy that has to do dishes if Nikki and Randy don't get after it. So when I get up from the table, I say, well, dish time. Hopefully they catch on. Sometimes they don't. But this is a time for you and I to be thankful. Open up your eyes and behold the fields. They are white for the harvest, but they are also white calling for compassion and understanding, mercy and help. And so I ask you to open up your eyes and see 
the needs of others. And if God has prospered and blessed you, then please reach out and touch them and help them. Father, in the name of Jesus, we thank you for all that you've done for us. We do pray, God, that the spirit of wisdom would fall upon our government, that, God, they would see very plainly the air of the way that they are treading, and that, God, you would speak wisdom, direction. Give them understanding, God. Let them feel the heart of the American people. I asked you, God, that you would, by your grace and mercy, bring judgment to their lives, that, God, they will be able to turn from wrong and do that which is right and do that which is in their power to do. God, let them desire right. Let them desire justice. And, God, we ask these things for our government, locally and nationally, in Jesus Christ's name. Amen. And amen. God bless you. See you Sunday morning.